we know that you're a connoisseur of the walk-up song, and you've assigned walk-up song, not officially, but unofficially, assigned walk-up songs in the past. Do you have a favorite that maybe you suggested to somebody that really fit them perfectly, or a guy that just had the perfect walk-up song that fit his personality? The, the first one I thought of, I did not assign it, but it fit his personality perfectly, was when Lance Berkman came out to the song that Andrew Miller comes out to now. You better run on for a long time. You know, the Johnny Cut him down, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was perfect. Like, as soon as you saw him walking the play, you're like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's Lance. You know, that's perfect. I mean, because if you sit around a campfire with Lance, he plays for, like, he can play, like, 45 minutes on the guitar, every Johnny Cash song ever in the same monotone voice. But mm -hmm. he can play them all with his fingers. It's pretty cool to see. But after a while, you're like, ugh. You better run on for a long time. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it was perfect. Does it take away from uh, Andrew Miller's walk, uh, his song then for you? Because you always just think about Lance Berkman. Uh, I don't know. It kind of works with Andrew too, though. All you right. know? Um, and, and the songs that Carp comes out to are perfect for him too because he only listens to music that nobody's ever heard of. That's mm -hmm. his thing? Yeah. People have that. Well, I got me a girl yeah. from Peking. I've never heard that before. Girl. Exactly. And that's <laughs> yeah. not a real song. Yeah. It might be. It might be. There's somebody out there that's a Turnpike Troubadours fan that's like, what is he talking about? Yeah. That's a great song. I'm sure they're they should great. win Grammys. I'm sure they're great. Dude, tell us about your day yesterday, day two. What what did, what did your, you, you threw on the backfields, mm -hmm. right, while we pitched. were doing the show? Oh, obviously. We talked about that yesterday. Nobody plays catch. Uh, you pitched on the backfield. Right. How did that go? It was good. It was good. I still got a few uh, adjustments to make, but overall I was pleased with the way the ball com was coming out of my hand. I faced some pretty pretty quality hitters and got some good reactions. The good thing is I got some good feedback um, on some things that, that I've been working on that were great and some things I need to maybe uh, put back into the recycle bin and we'll try again. So uh, I, I find that very interesting because uh, I, I was a – what's the, the term? Oh, one-trick pony. I, I had uh, a sinker, and then that was about it. You've been doing this so long, and you talk about the tweaks. And you talk about during the season, hey, I was a little bit off mechanically. I got out of it. I know what to fix. I know how to get back to it. Making adjustments throughout a, a major league career, man, that, that is uh, – it's got to be one of the most difficult things to do, but one of the most important things that, that somebody can do. Like knowing yourself as a pitcher, that's hard to do, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, it is, and it takes guys years sometimes to really learn their identity as a pitcher. Um, if they don't, if they're not one-trick ponies, sometimes you you end up trying to be four-trick ponies, and then you know you've you've not doing you're not doing anything yeah. well. Mm -hmm. So, um, I can remember Lance Lynn when he was a younger pitcher. Only a, he had probably two or three years in the big leagues. And he came to me and he said, "How long did it take you to to really figure out who you were as a pitcher?" And I said, "It it took me." five and a half years in the minor leagues and then probably another year in the big leagues to really figure out who I needed to be and who what my style was and all that kind of stuff, my, what my identity as a pitcher was on the mound. And uh, and and obviously he's found that now. He's doing great. So uh, it takes a while for a pitcher to work through that, but uh, it's a very rewarding process. Adam, one of my favorite stories about you is uh, when you talk about getting feedback, a uh, start that you had in Cincinnati, you were knocked out early, and Chris Carpenter said, recognized something in your delivery, took you back to the video room, and then your next start here, or, well, in St. Louis, was sensational. And uh, I said, how long did it take you when you watched that piece of tape to recognize that th there was a problem? He said, one, all I had to see was one pitch, mm -hmm. Carp told me. And sometimes when you talk about feedback, it can be that simple, can it? If you recognize, if yeah. somebody else recognizes it for you. Yeah, it can. And, and, and like you pointed out, seeing it, sometimes is believing it right i mean you know you 
you can stand up on a on a driving range and feel like you're in one place and then you know you see the video of it and you're in a completely different place with your swing you're like what that's where i am right now my alignment's pointed over there like what am i doing and so it's the same way with pitching man it's it really is and uh sometimes you got to see it to, to to really to be able to make that adjustment mentally and sometimes sometimes feel things sometimes you know when you're losing the ball up up and out to me i know i got to get the ball out a little sooner i got to get my my arm moving so that because i have a tendency when my arm goes up that i'll start tracking downwards and, and carry my hands with me instead of breaking them out at the same time and uh you know just it takes a split second of of mistimed delivery to make a really bad pitch so golf and pitching are so similar and I, i've never pitched but in talking to you guys and just knowing that it's balance it's folk focus it's repetitiveness it's muscle muscle memory there's there's so many similarities yeah there is there i mean they're really pretty much everything pitching related at least um and and almost hitting related at least too you could you could break down with a golf swing i mean you know even mentally focusing if you stand up on the tee box and you look out at the fairway for a brief second then you go all right but i can't hit it in that lake on the right and i don't want to pull it left out of bounds but I really don't want to hit it in that big lake on the right. What are you going to do? You're going to pull it out of bounds, trying not to hit it in the lake, or you're going to hit it in the lake because that's where your thoughts are pro- you know, processed. Yeah. So uh, it, it's really hard in golf to look out there and only see the fairway. I used that analogy the other day with a young pitcher in the, in the clubhouse because you know, he was, I was talking with him through his mental approach, and he was telling me all the things he couldn't do and didn't want to do, and I was like, okay, but what are you trying to do? You know, what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish here, not what are you trying not to accomplish? I kind of wish you were golfing with us yesterday, Adam, because I don't think I saw the fairway at all. I, I was looking at How's the that water. Slice working? It's not good. It's still there. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 bought, I bought a whole, uh, I bought a new box of golf balls there. I didn't mm-hmm. travel with any. I lost every single one of them. I had to buy from, uh, get some from Randy. <laughs> he made you buy them from him? Well, no, no, no. no. Well, maybe. Yeah. Did you? No, no. I handed them. Okay, to you. yeah. Those. What kind of balls good. were we using? Pro V ones. It was. They were nice. <laughs> and they were really nice. And they're all over the course. If you play the Floridian, uh, they're out there. Oh, that's a nice place. And you will be proud of bt danny mack and i both made bets uh, that he would uh, no way he hits the ball in the water 20 yeah, right, bucks right that ball me. does not go in the water yeah and it didn't go in the water it did go ob <laughs> actually see but, see what i'm saying yep. yeah that's let's <laughs> prove the point <laughs> yeah right hey <laughs> this one's not going in the water looked right out of bounds you're talking about uh how it can take you a while to figure out what your identity is as a pitcher do you feel like as your career goes on, your identity changes at all, and and then and then recognizing it as your you know your your body changes yeah. because you get older, so you have to better, adjust right? what you do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, do you feel like you have to? Well, sometimes you do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look at Bartolo Colon. He was throwing ninety-five mile an hour power four seamers every pitch, ninety-five to hundred. Then all of a sudden, he's throwing eighty-eight, eighty-nine mile an hour sinking balls that that run a foot. So yeah, I mean, sometimes you got to do that kind of thing. I I know you're sort of halfway alluding to me right uh, no just anybody bit. in general um, adam yeah i've had to work through some things with uh, with my approach and how i needed to, to attack guys and, and that's just the evolution of baseball right like as you as you play the hitters tell you what you need to do and if you don't listen to what the hitters are telling you then you'll be out of the game real quick and, and when you were talking about uh, just a moment ago you know sort of falling off or, or leading with your body can you before you see it on tape can you sometimes feel it like you're can you be like oh i you're on the mound i know i just did that are you conscious of it yeah well there's several things several keys you have in your delivery that that are that are home right those are your home keys and 
when things aren't going right, you have to be able to make an adjustment on the mound instantly. Um, and you, like I said earlier, if you miss the ball, if, like for me, most of the time when I'm releasing the ball and I miss it up uh, high arm side, that means I got to get my ball, my my arm out early. That's a quick fix for me usually. Um, there's other things though that you got to see on tape, but there's certainly things. Um, that you can do mentally and physically on the mound to make an adjustment really quick. And sometimes, this is another talk I had this spring, sometimes it's just completely a belief that you can do it. So Dave Duncan used to walk out and be like, I don't know what you got to do to get the ball down the way, but do it. <laughs> and so as a pitcher, you got to realize at some point that you're an athlete and you don't need to go and watch 14 hours of film to make a quick adjustment. Sometimes it's just, you know what? I am an athlete. I can make that happen. So a lot of a lot of times, what I like to say to these guys is, "How'd your how'd your side go or whatever?" And they'll say, "Ah, oh, you know, I was I was missing this, missing that." And I said, "Well, why do you do that?" I said, "Well, you know, I'm trying to." And I was like, "Well, don't do it anymore." You know, so I try to keep it as simple as possible. And sometimes that works. And sometimes they're like, "Dude, I hear you, but I got go I gotta go to the lab." But sometimes we give we don't give ourselves yeah. as athletes enough credit. And sometimes it, it is as simple as, "Well, just don't do that anymore." Yeah. You know. And you're an athlete. You're a baseball player. Uh, there is somebody at this table who is a proponent of the DH. I, I would assume that with your love of hitting, you are not a proponent of the designated hitter. No. No, no, and we need to quit trying to change all the rules about baseball. What are we doing? You know, the game is good. The game is great. The game is, you know, the game is pure. When it's played correctly, the game is a really great game. It's I love the difference of the American League and National League. I think that's a cool dynamic when you go there and you come here. All these talks about pitch clocks and, I mean, you know, it's just we just don't need to change the game all this much. It's the not going to fix it that much. The game is perfect. And I've heard I've heard they're going to get rid of the inside move and they're going to get rid of, like, left-handers picking over to first and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, what are we doing? The game is good, you know. I mean, there's just lefties. That's one of the biggest weapons a lefty can have. And you take that away from them, you're taking away a big part of their game. I, I don't know. I just don't get it, man. I don't. I don't know why. Uh, we listen to a small faction of people that think the game needs to speed up because they didn't grow up watching it or whatever, and they like action, you know, packs, impact sports every, you know. I mean, I just don't understand why we listen to them and we don't listen to the 90% that think the game is great. Well, you have a, but you have a voice. Within the union, you have a voice. I mean, I'm sure that several players share the same sentiment. Do you guys feel like, as players, as a group, do you feel like you're listened to when it comes to situations like that? Apparently not, because <laughs> I make my my reservations known to our union um, and uh, doesn't seem to be working. So um, not that they don't listen to me. They sure. listen, but, you know, I think uh, – I think they, they, they always try to do what's best for all the players. But I just – our game is good. Our game the, – the strategy that comes with the National League, if anyone tries to argue that it's worse than the American League, they don't understand baseball. Who's, Ron, you who guys is the talk. guy? You guys should You're talk. You're the guy? Fan. Yeah, I, I like the DH. Knucklehead. I love I love the DH. What do you mean you love I love it. I, see, I watched American League baseball a lot, and, and I grew up a National League fan. And I used to think the same stuff. Uh -huh. And then I watched the AL a lot for like 12 years. And I changed my mind on it. I just <laughs> I, I like it. I don't know. I know a lot of pitchers who like hitting. 
don't want it to go away, and I totally understand that. And if you've grown up watching it a certain way, I totally understand not wanting it to go a different direction. I get that. Yeah, but you know what? If you're an American League manager, now I've never been a manager, so I can't speak completely. Yeah. The job that you have is so much easier than it is for a National League manager. You put It's like an easy-bake oven. Here's my lineup. Set it and forget it. Nice knowing you. I'll talk to you after the game. You know, right? Well, I would argue against that because managers get as much hell in the American League from fans about decisions they make late in games just as that's much as it happens in the NFL. That's managing the bullpen, though, right? Yeah. Usually, that's a lot of it. the bullpen. That's Sometimes it's lineup. Like, well, why do you have this guy hitting here? I mean, it's th- there's just as much complaining. But here, here's my thing. We talk about this every year when this comes up. Sixth inning, one nothing game. Adam Wainwright's allowed three hits. No, not Adam Wainwright because you can hit. But uh, another pitcher. You know, but it's a one nothing game, and you need some offense. Do you pinch hit for the pitcher? Am I going to pe- keep the pitcher in? I think those are great questions, and that's what makes the game great is the that strategy. you have to think. And, and listen, it's not just about me being a, a fan of hitting because this, come, this, counts, this hurts me as a pitcher a lot of times. I'd probably throw 20 more innings a year if it wasn't for – Mm-hmm. for that rule you know if there, if there was a dh in there pitchers can go as long as they can go and keep their team in the game right but there's plenty of times that i get taken out of the game when i have 85 pitches or 84 pitches and i've given up like you said a couple of hits and maybe one run and it's tied one to one and he's looking at it he's like all right I've, i could probably get one more maybe two more out of him but if we change right now i can hit for him and then the lineups turn around and then so the game of baseball becomes beautiful to me in that point because you can double switch you can do all these things that or just it, it opens up the game a lot more. And I know there are a lot of players, like you mentioned, you don't like the idea of changing rules. I believe what MLB wants to do is make the game more interesting to younger people who have a lot of other options. Maybe they're going about it the wrong way. I think you can argue that. What do you think baseball needs to do to make sure they're not losing a future audience or that they're, that they're growing the game like it has been for the last 40, 50 years. The first two things I thought of was, one, we need to get out of our own way and just let the guys go out and play and have a great time and let the fans that love it have a great time. But the second thing we need to do is we need to market baseball better. Uh, We need to get the inner cities playing baseball again. We need to get kids playing baseball again because, you know, this, this is a big thing, right? Like the games come on late. They, they go till 10. It's no different than a football game. Football games are sometimes longer than baseball games. But the kids nowadays, they're just not playing baseball like they used to. In my hometown, we have two big high schools uh, across, across the bridge where, um, and where I went to school. And we have two big high schools. And we had, like, you know, combined 50 kids for JV and varsity from both schools. They're playing football. They're playing basketball. Why is that? Well, the, those sports are doing incredible jobs marketing to younger kids. They are uh, easier to play because you need one ball for the most part. Yep. And you need one basketball goal, or you don't even need a basketball goal. Sometimes you can make it out of whatever you need to make it out of. That's what we used to do as kids. In football, you can make the soccer the same way, right, in other countries. That's why they play soccer. You, you can make it. That tree and that tree are the goal, or that mm-hmm. tree and that tree is the field goal, or that tree and that tree is the end zone. In baseball, you can you can do some of those things, but you need a bat or something to hit a ball with, and you need a ball and you need gloves. But we used to play tennis. You know, we used to play baseball with 
with a tennis ball and a bat. That's, we didn't need anything else. We we could do it with a tennis ball and a bat. I just don't see kids doing that anymore. When I was a kid, you know, every car that went by, we were like, all right, game off, kind of like back in <laughs> yes, right? yep, yeah. Like in that movie. It's Wayne's like, World. Yeah, Wayne's World. Yeah. Game off. All right, game on. Like every car that went yep. by all all day long, every day, yeah. you know. And I just don't ever see a kid going so out. Then, so then how do you get them to do it? How do you get kids to say, I, that's what I want to do. I want to go do that instead of yeah. play basketball. Well, they're playing baseball maybe. They're just playing video game baseball. You know, the kids are just, they were just way more inside. I make my kids go outside. Got girls, I don't care that you want to be inside. You are going outside. Get dirty. Be a kid. Go out there. Roll around, you know. And I know they're girls, and they're, they're, they're people are like, but they're girls. They can, but girls, you know what? Girls girls have interests outside, too. And, and there's really great things to do. And my girls love doing everything I'm doing, as long as I'm doing it with them. But uh, they need to be outside, too. Kids need to be outside playing sports. But baseball, back to the subject. Baseball um, needs to market to the kids better. Baseball needs to stop having, and I've, I've been lit up on Twitter about this before, but they need to stop having sexual commercials you know the entire time on commercial breaks what what can we do to promote you know can we have some i don't it's not kb toys anymore obviously they're gone but yeah, toys r us is gone like, too actually I don't know. Yeah. amazon in general is where we're getting everything yeah. now well i mean do they there's got to be ways to to get kids interested in watching games again baseball cards used to be a big deal yes. for kids you know, you bar- you rarely see it. If you see a kid now that has baseball cards, he's got them on a clipboard. And he wants you to sign them so he can sell them on. And his dad's cards. behind him pushing them. Yeah, <laughs> get in there. Here comes Adam. I don't know. know. That those are just some things that that uh, that I see, man. But you know, if you want to get kids involved, don't change the game. Change the way you're marketing to the kids. I mean, the game is well. They're not changing basketball. They're not changing football. I mean, you know, they're changing some hitting rules and whatnot in football, which is good. But we're not running into each other in baseball. Right. We're not causing concussions left and right. You know? we, we made this point yesterday. Mike Trout could walk up the street in, in Abacoa and very likely could just pass everybody and just kind of do his thing. And, and that's a shame for the game of baseball. I mean, yeah. He's your biggest star. I mean, he's the best player in the game, uh, and he could just walk by. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the, the marketing somehow, some way. And I know there's got to be a willingness, too. I mean, Mike it seems like a very reserved guy and doesn't really want to be out in front of everything, but we got to try. Well, the long game, there's got to be somebody who's a marketing genius out there that's some young whippersnapper right out of college that really understands kids and what needs to be said and marketed so kids can understand it better. But you know what's beautiful about Mike Trout, too? Uh, From my perspective is Mike Trout isn't out there looking for endorsement deals seemingly. He's not got his face on every billboard and all that. Mike is uh, all about playing the game, seemingly. I never met Mike Trout, but it seems like he's all about playing the game and going out and performing and competing, and, and he leaves it at that, which, man, I love that. You know, that's great. We love Adam Wainwright, a huge part of the Cardinals, but also a huge part of our community. And you can go to our Twitter page and you can help contribute to uh, Big League Impact or just go to bigleagueimpact.org. And one of the things that you've gotten involved with is supporting a women's shelter through Crisis Aid International. And uh, Adam, I, I don't know the specific numbers, but when I first found out about the, the sex trafficking in our country, I was stunned mm-hmm. at the numbers because you don't think that that's something that, that's happening happening around us but it is it is and and uh fun fact for you not fun uh, just a fact uh slavery is at an all-time high right now across the world there's more slaves today put into uh 
uh, into forced labor than there ever has been in the history of the planet. And that is, that's a hard thing to, to fathom when you when you think about like the, what was it the the, eighteen hundreds yeah eighteen hundreds we were bringing people over here the what they call the mid Atlantic trade slave trade or something yeah. I don't remember what they called it sorry I'm you know, not as educated as as I should be on the subject but. There's more today than there ever has been. Now that's just not that's not just sex trafficking, but it is going on in our cities left and right. Anytime you have a big event in a city, if you have baseball games or you have Super Bowl, especially every time there's a Super Bowl in the Super Bowl city, man, the people come from all around the world and they want young girls to entertain them. And I, I know that sounds terrible, but it's going on and it's going on left and right within our country. And so. Um, there's ways to stop that, and crisis aid in St. Louis is one of the only places in the Midwest that that is that is uh, bringing these girls in and protecting them, nursing them back to health. It's not as it's not as easy as just taking them out of it and putting them back into the real world either. You got to rehabilitate these girls and bring them along slowly, and 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 they got to go through, you know, psychology and all kinds of stuff uh, to get them back to the where they're normal again. Because the the horrors that those girls see is just it's just terrible. But yeah. crisis aid. Christ say the same organizations as feeding kids in Ethiopia and feeding kids in <clears throat> that elementary school in South in, in, in South St. Louis. So they're just doing some incredible, incredible work, and, and uh, we love being a part of all of it. And you can go to our Twitter page, 101 ESPN or 101 ESPN Fastlane, and get the link and make a contribution. Uh, we know that a lot of you have already contributed, and we'd love to have you participate. Adam, always good to have you with all us. Right, Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me on.